This is episode number 679 with New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Jack Cornfield said, wisdom says we are nothing. Love says we are everything. Between these two, our life flows. I am pumped about this one. It's like a mind explosion, the entire episode. I'm telling you, you're about to have your mind blown. This is all about how to heal your body with the mind. And growing up, this was a lot of the philosophical and spiritual training that I had as a kid. Some of you know I grew up in a religion called Christian Science that really taught a lot of these principles without going into detail about how he explained certain things. But for me, this is stuff that I've seen in the works my entire life come to fruition. And Dr. Joe Dispenza is an international speaker, researcher, author, and educator who is passionate about the findings from the fields of neuroscience, epigenetics, and quantum physics to explore the science behind spontaneous remissions. He uses that knowledge to help people heal themselves of illness, chronic conditions, and even terminal disease so they can enjoy a more fulfilled and happy life, as well as evolve their consciousness. Again, New York Times bestselling author, he's written the book, You Are the Placebo, Making Your Mind Matter, which explores our ability to heal without drugs or surgery, but rather by thought alone, as well as many other books. You might think it's crazy. You can heal yourself with thought alone, but there's something that I believe and I've seen happen with myself my entire life and with many other people who have practiced this. And he's going to back it up with some data and research and science for all those, the nerds out there that want to know more about the data like I like. Some of the things we talk about are the four common elements of healing your body with your mind. He dives into each element and how you can do this with yourself. Also, what happens when our minds are faced with trauma, especially trauma from the past. Why visualization is so effective for athletes and all human beings. Where anxiety comes from and how to eliminate anxiety. And a seven-day challenge to support you in changing your thoughts so you can improve your life. Yes, my friends, I am pumped about this one. Also, a big thank you to our fan of the week. This is from Marcus who said, Louis and the School of Greatness has an inspiring message in each episode. Be ready to learn how to optimize success, however you define it for yourself. One of those podcasts that you can run episode after episode for hours. Thank you so much for the inspiration, Louis. So Marcus left a great review. Thank you for being the fan of the week. If you haven't left a review yet, we've got 3,300 plus five-star reviews over on the Apple Podcast. So you can do it over there in your podcast app or lewishouse.com slash iTunes. All right, guys, let's dive into this. This is a powerful one. Make sure to take a screenshot of this, share it on Instagram. I'm telling you, your mind is about to be blown the moment this begins. How to heal your body with your mind, Dr. Joe Dispenza. (music) 
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. We have the legendary Dr. Joe Dispenza mm -hmm. in the house. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you, Liz. Excited about this. I think I first learned about you in What the Bleep. That was years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was over 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Yeah. Was, and that was the, correct me if I'm wrong, that was the movie, documentary movie, where they talked about that uh, science experiment with the water, right? Mm -hmm. Is that the same movie? Yeah, that's the same movie, yeah. And what was that whole theory and, and methodology? What was that about? Well, just water has a very interesting response to thought. And uh, the properties of water make it very unusual. It turns out that when you um, hold a thought that is more constructive or more coherent, that it crystallizes water into certain patterns like snowflakes. And those particular crystals actually are the exact way chemicals enter the receptor sites of cells. When you're feeling a limited emotions, uh, anger or frustration or impatience or resentment, the signature electromagnetically, you know, that every thought has a frequency, is disturbing. So it actually weakens the molecular structure of water and you see these uh, very unhealthy patterns. So Therefore weakening the body. Well, the body's 78% water. So you start thinking about how you start managing your thoughts and feelings and uh, water's just a great way to store information. And that's all it is. Wow. Yeah. Huh. But there was a lot more in the movie besides yeah, yeah. that. That was the thing I remember. <laughs> yeah, the most. a lot of people remember the water. Yeah. That was interesting. Now, you've been working with teaching people how to heal themselves with their minds, right? Mm -hmm. Overcome disease, overcome any type of chronic illness or mm -hmm. pain through the mind, mm -hmm. the principle yeah. of the mind. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a religion called Christian Science mm -hmm. that did not use medicine. I didn't get vaccinations when I was a kid. My dad wouldn't let me go to the hospital. He wanted to use thought, mm -hmm. prayer, mm -hmm. the mindset to overcome any pain or any physical ailment. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that I was learning in a different way as an early kid. Mm -hmm. When did you start to learn about this philosophy or principle or truth and start applying it to your life? Well, I got run over by a truck in a triathlon in 1986 on the biking portion of the race. I broke uh, six vertebrae in my spine and I was told that I'd never walk again. So the typical surgical procedure for multiple compression fractures with uh, cord impingement is uh, this uh, surgery called Harrington rod surgery. And in my case, they were gonna cut off the backs of uh, parts of my vertebrae from the base of my neck to the base of my spine. And then they screw in these long stainless steel rods. And when you screw those rods in into the vertebrae, it acts like a cantilever. It lifts the spinal column off the mm. cord. But the prognosis was I probably wouldn't walk again and that the surgery was hopeful that it would give me some relief. And, and uh, I think if it was any other patient, Lewis, besides me, I probably would have recommended the surgery, but this was me, you know? Sure. And I just couldn't rush into it. So I had four <laughs> opinions, you know, from four of the leading surgeons in Southern California, and they were adamant that I needed this surgery. All four of them. All four of them. Yeah, in fact, the medical director of Scripps Hospital at the time was my, was my surgeon. He thought I had a head injury or he thought you know, that I had PTSD, that I wasn't just following his instruction. Anyway, I decided against the surgery and I thought, well, listen, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. I'm basically laying face down. And I, so I thought, well, 
there's an intelligence that's giving us life, that's keeping our heart beating and digesting our food. It, it, it really knows how to heal way better than me. And this innate intelligence is what's giving us life. And I thought, well, if it's an intelligence, it's, it's a consciousness. And mm. Consciousness is awareness and awareness is paying attention. So it must be paying attention to me. So I said, look, maybe I'll just spend the rest of my time trying to connect to this intelligence and give it a plan, give it a design, give it a template. And when I was really present and complete with that design, I would surrender this creation to this greater mind and allow it to do the healing for me. And the other thing I said is I'm not gonna let any thought slip by my awareness that I don't want to experience. Now that sounds really easy, right? When, but, when, but when you're faced with crisis or trauma, we tend to focus on what we don't want to have happen instead of what we do have, want to have happen. So I started on this journey. I decided against the surgery and um, it was a, a big revolution at the time. I went through six and a half weeks of hell. I just could not get my mind to do what I wanted it to do because I'd start reconstructing my vertebrae and imaging an outcome, and then I'd start thinking, I'm going to be living in a wheelchair, or wow. should I sell my practice? So you were thinking about the way you wanted your body to look and feel in your mind. I, I reconstructed every single in vertebrae. Yeah, in my mind. You I wanted imagine. to show it exactly, three-dimensionally. Yeah. In your mind? In my mind. You're not drawing it out? or No, 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 in my mind I was reconstructing. You're visualizing yeah, it Yeah, visualizing it. And I wanted to say, look, take a look at that. Because this intelligence is always present, right? So we gotta be present with it. So I'd start off reconstructing my spine and then I'd be like, oh gosh, um, should I sell my practice? What if I live in a wheelchair? And you practice chiropractic? Yeah, practice yeah, 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 in, in the Southern California, La Jolla. So I couldn't get my mind to do what I wanted to do and then after six weeks, I just went through the whole thing and I felt like I hit a golf ball right in the sweet spot. Something clicked and from that point forward, it took me two and a half or three hours to do, I was able to do in 45 minutes. I was firing and wiring, you know, these new circuits, and I was practicing paying attention. And then all of a sudden, I started noticing dramatic changes in my health like this. And the moment I started noticing changes in my body, what was going on outside of me, I started correlating at what I was doing inside of me. Now I was just hooked, and I just started doing it with more passion and more sincerity. Anyway, back on my feet in 10 and a half weeks, back training at 12 weeks, back in my clinic, and I just made a deal with myself that if I was ever able to walk again, I'd spend the rest of my life studying the mind-body connection and mind over matter. And then that led me to just stop everything in my life. I just wasn't the same guy. I'd just been initiated into something and sold my practice, sold my home. You sold it all. Sold it all, moved to the Northwest, and uh, just started asking bigger questions, like who am I, what is, why, why am I here, what, what, what are we doing, what happens when we die, and how did all this happen for me, what, what, what was the process? So I started studying the, the science behind it, and I couldn't find it in any conventional textbooks because this was unconventional, right? And miraculous is kind of unconventional. So I started studying quantum physics and neuroscience and. Uh, epigenetics, and it started making sense. I started building this model of understanding. Then I asked the fundamental question, has anybody else done it? So then I traveled to 17 different countries and interviewed wow. hundreds and hundreds of people with serious health conditions that were treating either conventionally or unconventionally. They were staying the same or getting worse, and all of a sudden they got better. So what was the cause that produced the effect? And the stories and what I learned was so amazing. I went back to school and studied neuroscience, because mind was such a strong element. It wasn't diet, it wasn't celibacy, it wasn't any of those things. It was just really this element. And so then I was able to figure out that there were four common things. And then I wrote a book about it and then I thought, 
God, if this works really on people that were sick and are better and they come from all walks of life, all colors, all races, all genders, sexual preferences, but all of a sudden, I wanted to see if I was able to reproduce it. So then I started seeing, okay, let's see if we can teach this, hmm. be able to reproduce the outcome, because that's science, right? So I went through about... What were the four common things? Uh, the first one was that they all believed and accepted that there was an intelligence that lived within them that was giving them life. And these, that, these people you interviewed who had had injuries that overcame no, them? No, no, these were people with cancer, MS, lupus, gotcha. Parkinson's disease. Who got better? Yeah, just spontaneously. You know, it's called a spontaneous remission. So, so I was, they believed there was an intelligence. There was some invisible life force that was, they were connected to, mm. that they felt like they had lost their connection to. They became separate and disconnected from. And that when they got the diagnosis, they woke up and said, man, I gotta connect again and I gotta connect to my essence. So they developed a relationship with it, just like you develop a relationship with anybody. It takes time, you gotta be present, you gotta connect, you gotta experience, you gotta be present. All of these things are important mm. elements. So, so that was the first thing. The second thing was that they realized that it was the mismanagement of their emotions and the hormones of stress that really began to create their condition. Now, stress is when your brain and body are knocked out of balance. Now, stress is when your body's knocked out of homeostasis. We have an innate mechanism in our body that returns us back to order. So then if you're, someone cuts you off on the LA freeway, you have an emotional reaction, but 15 minutes later you're back to driving and you're over it, right? That's uh, all organisms in nature can tolerate short-term stress. Emergency. But when it's all day long, all week, all year. Yeah, so if you're reacting to, like if Tyrannosaurus Rex is chasing you, uh, you have to make a decision. Am I going to use 20% of my energy or am I going to use 100%? So it turns out when you're reacting to traffic. 200%. Oh, right, or if you're reacting to your coworker sitting in the cubicle next to you. Right. You're turning on that response, and what was once very adaptive becomes very maladaptive, because when you turn on the stress response and you can't turn it off, now you're headed for disease, because mm -hmm. nobody can live in emergency mode for that extended period of time. Well, human beings, we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. You can think about your problems, and you're producing the same biological effects. So those chemicals give the brain and body a rush of energy and people become addicted to that rush of energy. So now they use the problems and conditions in their life to reaffirm their addiction to that emotion. They need the bad job. They need the poor relationship. So that means they become addicted to the life that they don't even like. Why do we need the bad job or bad relationship and stay stuck in those? Because it's a conditioned response. So listen, if you get angry at a coworker and all of a sudden you get an arousal in your brain and body, right? You get a rush of energy. When you start noticing that your body starts dropping, your brain starts noticing your energy starts dropping, you're automatically going to have the image of the coworker in order to what? Give your body the, the next the jolt, the jolt, right? So all of a sudden, people become addicted to their own thoughts, right? So these people realize that, oh my God, um, I've been mismanaging my attention and energy, and I got to get beyond my past. I gotta get beyond these emotions. I gotta make some big changes. I gotta break the habit of being myself. You know, I gotta mm. stop being this person. Now, that sounds really good theoretically and philosophically, but change is such a hard thing, really? right? Because the moment you come back to your senses and you step back into your life and you see that person, or you go to that place, or you're with that uh, experience, so many people are unconsciously reacting 
in their thoughts and feelings to everything in their environment. So now their environment is controlling how they think and feel. So they realize that in order to change, got to change the environment. They got to be greater than their environment, mm. greater than the conditions in the world, greater than the circumstances. Be mindful of, of that every time Stay it comes conscious. up to be yes. like, okay, yeah. I'm going to yeah. think differently. Right. I'm, I'm not going to react. Yeah, this right. Way. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to go back because the moment you start reacting emo- emotionally, emotions are a record of the past. And if those emotions are driving your thoughts, you're thinking in the past. And if you can't think greater than how you feel and you believe your thoughts have something to do with your destiny, you're creating more of your past, right? So it turns out that the repetition of thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking, these loops that people get caught in, condition their body to subconsciously become the mind of that emotion. Which means now their body is their unconscious mind is believing they're living in the same past experience 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. What's the relevance behind that? Well, the latest research on genes says genes don't create disease. It's the environment that signals the gene that creates disease. The emotional environment or the physical environment? Your environment, any environmental reaction. But if you're reacting emotionally to your environment the same way, you're signaling the same gene in the same way, and now you're headed for a genetic destiny. So the hormones of stress push the genetic buttons that create disease. If you can turn on the stress response just by thought alone, your thoughts could make you sick. And if your thoughts could make you sick, is it possible that your thoughts could make you well? So Mm. they began to realize that, oh my God, the repetition of thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking caused me to feel guilt, and I don't even know it's guilt, it just feels like me. It's just, I'm used to the same chemical continuity. Now, the moment they decided to change, anytime you decide to change and change anything about yourself, get ready, because it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's gonna hurt. You're, you're gonna leave the known. Yeah. You're gonna leave the familiar, and you're gonna step into the unknown. Even if the familiar is uncomfortable and painful, right. You it's st- still gonna be painful leaving the pain. Right, because some people are super happy being unhappy. Right. So then they would rather cling to their suffering than take a chance in possibility. So these people said, I really have nothing to lose, right? So then they said, I'm willing to be uncomfortable and be in the unknown. And it turns out that's the perfect place to create from. Hmm. So when the body is conditioned to become the mind, then to change is to be greater than the body. Right? Because, How do we become greater than the body? Well, that's a whole nother conversation, <laughs> but let me finish this, yes. okay? So the third thing they said was, okay, so now that I know that I gotta break the habit of being myself and I can't mismanage my thoughts and feelings, I gotta change how I act, I gotta watch how I speak, I gotta become conscious of how unconscious I am because 95% of who we are by the time we're 35 years old is a set of memorized behaviors, Mm -hmm. like a computer program, emotional reactions, unconscious beliefs and perceptions. So the first step to change is to become conscious of how you think to notice how you act, to pay attention to how you feel. And the act of observing those states of mind and body separates you from that program. Now you're, you're, you're the consciousness observing that program. And it turns out the more conscious you become of how unconscious you are, you know, lighting a match in a dark place, that first step creates enormous amounts of chaos in the brain and body. And it's disturbing, so people mm. just go back to the same addiction, the same emotion, the same problem. Whew, this feels better. No, that feels familiar. So they said, okay, mm-hmm. now I gotta change. I gotta reinvent myself. Now this is really important because they started sitting down and thinking, okay, who in history do I admire? Where are great people, role models that I could follow? What are the qualities and characteristics that they have? How am I gonna change? You know, they, these are what we call frontal lobe questions. The creative center of the brain switches on and the emotional center settles down. So then they started thinking, 
how would I have to be in a new life if I was really going to heal? What would I have to change about myself? One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now there's this interesting phenomenon that if you close your eyes and you begin to think about doing something, you're an athlete, you understand this. If your background in football and you are running a pattern or you are doing something, you would rehearse it in your mind. Yeah. Turns out that the act of mentally rehearsing something when you're truly present your brain does not know the difference between what's going on out there and what's going on in here. In fact, your brain will begin to look like you've been doing it for the last five days and you've never run the course. Hmm. So now your brain is no longer a record of the past because typically it is. Now it's a map to the future. So now wow. you're priming your brain. So that became the very platform. Experiments with piano players. You know, you take a group of people that never played the piano before, you divide them into two different categories. I think one group of people, you teach them one-handed scales and chords. You do a brain scan on them. They come and practice for two hours a day for five days. At the end of five days, if you rescan the brain, they grow new circuits on the opposite side of the brain. Nothing magical there. You learn something new. Learning's making new connections. Get some instruction. You get instruction. You get your body involved. You get your body involved. You're going to have an experience. Experience enriches the brain. Pay attention to what you're doing. You've got to pay attention and repeat it. Firing and wiring, you're going to assemble new circuits. You can take the other group of people, have them come for two hours a day for five days, do a brain scan before, the brain scan after. Have them close their eyes and mentally rehearse playing those scales and chords. At the end of five days, <laughs> they'll grow the same amount of circuits in their brain as the people who actually physically demonstrated the action. What does that mean? It means not only do they change their brain by thinking differently, but their brain looks like they've been playing the piano for five days. Now set them in front of a piano. Never played the piano before. They'll play those scales and chords because their brain is wired to play it. So now, the act of rehearsing who they're gonna be, what are the qualities, and beginning to get in this creative state, began to lay down the circuits of a new personality. And a new personality is connected to a new personal reality. So the next question is, mm. does that change the body? Take a group of men, have them do one-handed curls in their mind and bring an emotional component like stronger, harder, more intense, one hour a day for two weeks. At the end of two weeks, 13.5 increase in muscle strength, wow. never lifted a weight. Now their body is changing by thought alone. Huh. So these people began to reprogram their brain and body. And all of a sudden, they began to act differently. Why? Because they installed the circuits. They began to think differently, of right. course. They began to feel differently. They were no longer feeling pain. They're actually liking themselves, right? So then if they're living by a different emotion, they're feeling an elevated emotion before they're healing, before they were healed. 
They're not waiting for their healing to feel joy and gratitude. They're feeling gratitude and joy. Now their body's believing that it's healed because the body's feeling the emotion ahead of the experience. And if the environment signals the gene and the end product of an experience in the environment is emotion, you're signaling the gene ahead of the environment. And what do genes do? Genes make proteins. And what are proteins responsible? The structure and function of the body. Now you're literally becoming somebody else. And now you're turning down the genes for disease and you're turning up these other genes. So I started to realize that this reinvention process is exactly what we've always done. It's just that we get complacent in certain areas of our life and we stop. Now the last thing they had in common, the fourth thing, is that when they were doing that rehearsal process, that they had long moments where they lost track of time and space. In other words, they were so involved in their inner world Mm -hmm. of imaging that when they turn the light on in the room or they lift their blindfold up or whatever they were doing, they thought it was 20 minutes later and it was an hour and 20 minutes later. And when you're truly focused and you're truly paying attention and you're in the present moment, all of a sudden you will leave this three-dimensional reality. Mm. And when you leave this three-dimensional reality, there's only one other place you go and that is the realm of thought and that's called the quantum field. And that quantum field is where all possibilities exist, right? So they were connecting to a field of information that had everything to do with the first principle, which is that invisible intelligence that's both within us and all around us, personal and universal. It is, it is the unifying field that governs everything material in this world. And if you're going to ch- change something material, that means you've got to get beyond your body to heal your body. Right. Because if you're your body trying to heal your body, there's one thing that we can guarantee it's going to take time. It's going to just take a long time because you're playing by the rules of Newtonian physics. You play by the rules of quantum physics. Energy dictates matter. Mm. So when you're truly in the field and you're making changes there, then the downward cascade neurologically, biologically, chemically, hormonally, genetically is the side effect of what's doing, what's happening in the field. Accelerates. Yeah, accelerates it, exactly. So you, you do it in less time because you're more connected to a realm that doesn't play by time. This is fascinating because growing up in this religion that I grew up it was a constant reminder, a daily practice to think in a certain way, mm-hmm. to think that you can never be physically harmed, mm-hmm. that you're infinite love, that you're infinite light, your infinite soul, spirit, life, truth, and love, right? Mm-hmm. It was a constantly taught to me that I'm, that I'm never able to get physically harmed. Mm-hmm. And that if you are, that means your thought is off and you just have to recorrect your thought and you'll have a healing, mm-hmm. right? It's a little extreme for some because, and if you're not well practiced in it, and if you don't know how to really manage the thoughts and train, then you can hurt yourself. Yeah, exactly. You can really hurt your body, and that's, it happened. Yeah. It happened for times. But I use this philosophy, strategy, technique, idea in sports, and I would rehearse constantly, like you talked about, I was constantly rehearsing the games, what I wanted to create for the season, for my my body, for my life. Mm -hmm. And it's, it just seemed like it would always happen. You know, I would rehearse constantly over and over and get lost in my thoughts. You call it the quantum field, is that what you call mm-hmm. it? So I was in the quantum field to be on the physical field. I was playing in the quantum field just like I'd be playing on the physical exactly. field. Exactly. And I remember I would watch game film of world record holders in track and field and football and watch them every single night and mentally rehearse the same movements they would have before I would fall asleep. And then I would practice the next day. But I was constantly rehearsing in my mind how I wanted to show up. I was rehearsing this moment mm-hmm. in my life. Ten years ago, I was rehearsing what I'd be doing this year in my life. 
Do you do this on a daily practice for yourself? And if so, how does that rehearsal look like? I do, I do. Two things I wanted to say about that. I mean, first of all, this is really not for everybody. Mm. I mean, because it's like pregnancy. Either you are or you're not. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's no in-between. A little pregnant? You can't be kind of a little pregnant. Either you are or you're not. And so, so you can't... Who is it for and who is it not for? Yeah, so what I found is that when I started studying spontaneous remissions, it was for people who had reached the end of their emotional belief where there was no longer any answers. They had, the doctors gave up on them, they had nothing else to do, right? And so they changed everything about themselves. And some of them were physicians, you know? It's just going like, wow, well, I, what, have I, what have I been doing? But now fast forward to today, I mean, in an age of information, ignorance is a choice. I mean, mm -hmm. you've got so much information. You don't need a doctor. You don't need a teacher. You don't need a priest or a minister to gain information. You don't need an authority, right? You can, technology gives us the uh, very quick information. So now people are informed. 20 years ago, a doctor said, do you have this health condition? You believed it. Yeah, and not only that, you signed on the dotted line and you got the treatment or the surgery. Fast forward to today, everybody just kind of goes, wait a second. Multiple opinions, yeah. let me get this. Let me, oh, you go home and you research it and you say, I want to try this. So now all of a sudden people are taking their power back. So people are more informed. So surgical procedures, pharmaceuticals are not always the first choice for people because there's other ways. And people only do the best with what's available. So now information has scaled and changed the way people face off with health conditions. And now people are coming into this, number one, if they have a health condition that they can self-correct. And number two, there are people that are saying, if I'm headed for a genetic destiny, because my mother had this health condition, my father had this, and I know the gene doesn't create it, but how I act and how I feel is going to signal the same gene. Well, I'm gonna just change my genetic future. So now, people are super proactive in the process, right? So that's point number one, but point number two is that if you start realizing that this is actually possible, and, and I can tell you that without a doubt it is, because we were talking before we started, the things that I'm witnessing I mean, if in the beginning it was just like a person got a little better, you felt a little this, a little that, you know, mm -hmm. their food allergies went away. And, right. But then all of a sudden we're talking about, we in our last event, two people with stage four cancer, completely reversed. Wow. Uh, a woman with a very serious uh, neurological disorder, they, didn't even, they couldn't even name it, crutches the whole bit, left the event, no crutches. Well, how did she do that? Mm. Well, let me ask you a question. If she doesn't look like a movie star and she's not buffed and young and attractive and successful, she's just like a normal person, and you listen to this person's story, and there's a thousand people listening to that story, you're gonna scratch your head and say, wow, if she can do it, so can I. Mm -hmm. And just like you know, infection spreads amongst a community that creates disease, health and wellness can be as infectious as disease. Right. So do I use it? Yes, but not in the way that people think. Like, I'm not interested in success, I've had it. I know that that's an important element. I think success is a side effect of who you are. Mm -hmm. But what am I after? I'm after making a difference in the world. I want people to become empowered. So my rehearsals, my meditations, and connecting are all about the next thing that we can push the envelope for. In other words, if that person healed themselves of that health condition and this person healed themselves, is it possible for that person to heal another person? And if they can heal that other person, which is now happening, is it possible to heal somebody on the other side of the planet? But you just have to build the model and then come up with the science to be able to piece it together. And science, turns out, is the language that helped to demystify that process. So I now know, without a doubt, if you give people sound scientific information 
And every time they learn something new, they're adding new connections in their brain. That's what learning is. Wow. And if they can begin to pay attention for just one hour, now they're causing jungles of neurons to begin to organize as a platform of understanding. If I say to you, now turn to the person next to you and explain what I said, and we do this in our events, if you can turn to the person next to you and explain what you said, you've wired it in your brain. Mm -hmm. What's the relevance of that? Now, you're installing the neurological hardware in your brain in preparation for an experience. And if the more you understand what you're doing and why, the how gets easier. Right. And if nothing's left the conjecture, superstition or dogma or spiritual new age stuff, but it's grounded in science, science. you're going to have more intention behind what you're doing and you're going to assign more meaning to more it. More believable. Exactly. Not and, just blind faith. Yes, it, no, it's, something's backing it as right. well. Yeah. And then if we can set up the conditions in the environment and give people the proper instruction, and on those people that get their behaviors to match their intentions and their actions equal to their thoughts, think of their mind and body working together, they're gonna have a new experience. And that experience then is gonna enrich even more circuits in their brain. The end product of an experience is an emotion. All of a sudden, they're gonna feel unlimited. They're gonna feel empowered. They're gonna feel successful. They're gonna feel worthy. Now they're teaching their body chemically to understand what their mind is intellectually understood. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is for the mind, but experience is for the body, and they're embodying that information. Well, they've done it once, should be able to do it again. And while you keep repeating the experience, you know this as an athlete, it's gonna become automatic. Right. It's gonna become innate, it's gonna become second nature. It's gonna become who you are. You don't have to think about it any longer. So take a person who was abused as a child with an alcoholic parent who has a very rare genetic disorder. They've manifested weakness in their bones because that's the emotion they live by. Genetic disorder that medical science says we have no way to help you. How do you explain mm. after a year of every day going after it, overcoming herself, overcoming herself, overcoming herself to become someone else, that no more any fractured bones, no evidence of broken bones, no more crutches, no more wheelchair running again. How do you explain that except she literally became someone else? She became somebody else. The disease existed in the old personality. She's right. not that person any longer. Wow. No, so biologically, that's absolutely possible. So for me, I chase the mystical. I want those profound moments where I cannot go back to being the same guy again. Mm. Because once you taste that wine or you drink from that well, all of a sudden, the way you perceive reality changes. Because you start to see things that always existed, but you didn't have the circuitry in place to perceive them. Why? Because the inner event is an experience. An experience enriches the brain. We don't see things how they are. We see things how we are. So as you begin to change your circuitry, you're going to perceive more of reality. And why? Because we probably perceive 1% of reality. So how do we begin to fully engage, right? So for me, None of that matters. None of that veneer stuff matters. What matters is the essence. What matters is, am I making a difference in the world? How can I begin to affect change and help people to heal or create a better life for themselves and not do it matter to matter, you know, with bravado and adrenaline and all that? That's the old way. Mm -hmm. This is about connecting and instead of going and getting it, creating a field where you draw it to you and the mm. synchronicities and the coincidences and the opportunities that are coming to you as a result of you doing the inner work, yeah. you're going to rush less in your life and you're gonna be more aware of your energy and nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. But that doesn't mean you change your energy, do a meditation and you get up and then get on the freeway and flip people off. Right. You just disconnected from the energy of your future. 
you got to be greater than the conditions in your environment. You got to maintain that state of being. You got to be greater than the habits and emotions of your body. And you got to sustain it for an extended period of time. How do we change our energy and how do we sustain it for an extended period of time? How long does that time need to be until we really start to see? And sometimes immediate. Okay, so our research, and we've done in the last six years, uh, because we were seeing so many incredible incredible things going on in our workshops. I mean, people stepping out of wheelchairs and all kinds of crazy things. You're like I, a church. Well, kind of like, like well, a church, like it, a mega church, yeah. <laughs> But hopefully not that. Based in science. Yeah, but, but I, isn't it amazing that some of these churches, when get, people get to believe, whether they have science backing it or not, they just it's the belief in the they mind. They step out into the unknown. You can step out of your body yeah. and, and heal yourself, Ex- right? Instantaneously. Instantaneously, and we do see that a lot. And some people are like, ah, that's yeah. How can that be possible? Well, how can it be possible? Well, look, we've we've, we've done the research now. I've s- assembled it. a team yeah. of scientists. We've done eight thousand five hundred brain scans. I can tell you, I can tell you when a person's about ready to change. I can tell you why people really? don't change. I can tell you what it takes to change. So, what's it take to change? Well, you change. Most people keep their attention. Always their awareness on their body. They keep their attention on everything in their environment, people and things. Their their brain is always scanning everything around us to determine what's known and unknown, what's safe safe and unsafe, right? And we do that all the time. So our research shows that the moment you take your attention off your body and you go from somebody to nobody, you take your attention off the people in your life— and go from who you identify with from someone to no one. And so many people spend their whole life building an identity of being someone. Take your attention off your cell phone, your computer, your car, and go from something to nothing. Take your attention off where you're sitting, where you need to be, some place you have to go, go from somewhere to nowhere. And take your attention off time, linear, thinking about the predictable future or the familiar past, and fall into the generous present moment and go from some time to no time, then all you're left with is consciousness. And that's the moment you're no longer playing by the same rules of matter to matter. And there's an, a, a very elegant moment that takes place in the brain. In fact, I was just showing my research to a group of researchers in uh, Santa Cruz this past week, and they were blown away. And I said, now watch, this person this person's going to have a transformational moment. They said, how do you know? I go, I've seen enough of these. And the next moment, the whole brain just lights up. That person is switched on. They'll never be the same person again. They're having a transcendental moment. And we could actually predict it and teach it now. It's a formula. Mm. Just like you doing sports, it just becomes a formula. And then you change the formula and you add to it. So when you no longer are identifying with your body, your environment, and time, that's the moment you're pure consciousness. Now You're just an idea. You're an awareness. Awareness. Awareness that has nothing to do with local space and time. And now, if you're no longer... You can go beyond anything. You can go beyond, and that's when the brain... Because the brain doesn't change the brain. It takes a long time. It takes a long time for the personality to change the personality, for the ego to change the ego. The programs to change the programs takes forever. Matter takes a long time to change matter. But when you're in this moment, you're no longer playing by those rules. Consciousness is the phenomenon above matter. In fact, consciousness is beginning to activate or manipulate circuits in the brain. People just think the brain is creating consciousness. No, consciousness is executing the brain, right? So then if the brain can change, then the mind doesn't change the brain. Mind is the brain in action. It's consciousness that changes it. So when people begin to disengage 
and get beyond themselves. You are at your absolute best when you get beyond yourself. Now, getting the person to that point. How does someone get to that point? Yeah, so we teach them that formula. We teach them to that point where all of a sudden they reach that generous present moment where they just feel connected. And when they're in that place, all the things they thought they wanted, they actually no longer want because they feel like they already have them. So then imagine living your life from that place. You would be less uh, judgmental and you would be less frustrated. Right. You would be less impatient. Reactive. And so, so the formula then is that it requires a clear intention, which is a coherent brain. And when you're living stressed out and something goes wrong and you're threatened or you can't predict an outcome or you have the perception that something's getting worse or you can't control it, you switch on that fight or flight nervous system that yeah. we talked about. Now here's what happens. When that occurs, you start shifting your attention from one person to one problem, the one thing to another person to another place because your brain is trying to predict the next moment. Well, every one of those people and things and places has this neurological network in your brain. So as you shift your attention from one to the next, it's like a lightning storm in the clouds. Your brain starts firing very incoherently. And when your brain is incoherent, you're incoherent. And when you're living by the hormones of stress, not a time to create. No. Not a time to open your heart. Not a time to learn. Not a time to trust. <laughs> and it's a time to run, fight, or hide. So people spend 70% of their time of their life living in the state. Wow. So think about it. So Miserable. Then, yeah, so then when you're under stress, if there's, a, if there's a cougar around the corner, you're not gonna sit down and meditate. You're not no, gonna sit yeah, still, gonna, right? But, but so jump imagine, a tree. Yeah. Here you've got, the, you've got the survival gene switched on and nobody is gonna believe in possibility when you're living in survival, right? Wow, yeah. So then when you're living in stress, what happens is, is you narrow your focus on the cause. You narrow your focus on matter, the object, the thing. And so people get switched on and all of their attention is on their outer world. When the hormones of stress kick on, the body gets an arousal, and now your attention is on the body. And of course, when you're under stress, you're trying to predict the future based on the past. And now you're literally enslaved into three-dimensional reality. So then how do you get what you want? You gotta try harder, you gotta force it more, you gotta work harder, you gotta fight for it. That's matter trying to change matter. It's exhausting. And people just burn out, right? So then, we now know that when you go from a narrow focus on something and you begin to open your focus, you create a sense, an awareness, that the act of opening your focus causes you to stop thinking. And if you stop thinking, you no longer activate those circuits and you start to slow your brain waves down. Mm. And as you slow your brain waves down, you start connecting to that autonomic nervous system, the thing that's giving you life. And all of a sudden, when you get beyond yourself, it says, uh, he's gone. Let's step in and just clean up this mess before he gets back. Really? And its job is to create order and balance. So your body will start to do that for you. The innate intelligence will step right in. Once you connect, you gotta connect. So you gotta know how to change your brain waves. You can't change your brain waves wow. and you stay in that active state. You're basically moving furniture around. You're analyzing your life within some disturbing emotion. And I can tell you after looking at all those brain stands, if you're analyzing your life within some disturbing emotion, you're going to make your brain worse. Mm. In fact, you are thinking in the past. So you teach people the formula, how to open their focus, change their brainwaves, connect to that invisible field, and all of a sudden, different compartments of the brain start synchronizing. The front of the brain starts talking to the back of the brain. The right side starts talking to the left side. And all of a sudden, what sinks in the brain links in the brain. And all of a sudden, you see this person starting to feel more like themselves. And when you see those two hemispheres of the brain start lighting up, watch out because wow. that person's going to feel really whole. 
They're going to start loving life. They're going to feel like they're going to be in love with life because the union of polarity and duality is wholeness at the exact same time. Coherent brain, when you're resentful, when you're judgmental, when you're impatient, your heart beats out of rhythm. Why? You're stepping on the gas and you're stepping on the brake at the same time. Your body and its intelligence living in survival is saying T-Rex is back there, but you're not running because you're sitting across the table looking at somebody smiling and your body's revved up, right? So the heart is beating arrhythmically. And when that happens, you're, you're squandering or you're using all the body's life force and turning it into chemistry, right? You're using all that energy to, to survive as opposed to think beyond. Right, right. So you're drawing from your vital life force, that invisible field around your body, and you're turning it into chemistry. You actually are going to shrink your own field. The hormones of stress cause us to be materialists, right? We, when we're under stress, we're, we're using our senses determine reality. So now you feel more like matter and less like energy, more separate from possibility. So then to teach a person then how to regulate that heart center. And we do this, uh, we've done 6,000 heart scans. Why? Because if I can teach you how to get in that heart state and I can teach you how to activate that center and I can teach you how to regulate an elevated emotion, the heart starts to create a very coherent signature. And when the heart starts beating like a drum, like dropping a pebble in water, it begins to produce a measurable magnetic field up to three meters wide. Now you're more energy than matter, more wave than particle. Now, that field that's being created is measurable, and that's an energy, and energy is frequency, and all frequency carries information. So what is the information when it makes it here? That you're it sharing could, into the world. Yeah. It could carry the thought of your healing. Why? Because it's consistent with the energy. Guilt isn't going to carry the thought of your healing. It's a different frequency. And all of a sudden now, the person is elevating their emotional state and they're allowing their thought to be carried on that frequency. They're broadcasting a whole new energetic signature. But thoughts are the language of the brain and feelings are the language of the body. And how you think and how you feel creates your state of being. Mm. So then the question is, if you keep practicing creating that state of being, it should become familiar to you, yes or no? The word meditation literally means to become familiar with. So then if you're practicing moving into these elevated states and your heart is coherent and we're measuring and I can say, Lewis, you got it. Now do it for 30 minutes. Now do it for 60 minutes. And you practice creating that coherence. You'll know when you're there and when you're not. Yes or no? Sure. And then you would be able to say like a skill, like anything else, give me a minute. I'm going to step out, and you're going to go back in the heart coherence and bring up that state. So how now, do we get there in the heart? Oh, well, then we practice the formula. Again, rest your attention, start sure, calling sure. up elevated emotions, and when you start seeing that that starts happening, then you sustain it, then you keep practicing, and all of a sudden, it gets longer and longer and longer. Now, what's the relevance behind that? Well, we've measured neurotransmitters. So when a person actually activates their heart, the heart releases a chemical called oxytocin. Oxytocin is actually the love chemical. Oxytocin signals nitric oxide. Nitric oxide signals another chemical called endothelial-derived relaxing factor. What does that do? Causes the vessels in your heart to swell. You will literally have energy in your heart. You will literally feel like your heart is full. Now, Now, once you have that feeling, you're not going to want to trade that feeling for anyone or anything. You're going to say, why would I judge that person? If I judge that person, I'm going to lose this feeling. Now, all of a sudden, you're self-regulating. Now, once the heart is activated, I just was at the research lab this week. <laughs> once the heart is activated, it acts as an amplifier, and it amplifies energy in the brain. So once you start opening that heart, 
and it begins to signal the brain, you're going to suppress the survival centers. In fact, the research shows it will reset your baseline. In other words, if you're anxious and vigilant and you learn how to self-regulate, you'll actually reset the baseline and you'll say, well, the trauma was 15 years ago, I saw my, uh, somebody get murdered or whatever. And then we'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the moment, the heart, not the brain, it's the heart that actually resets the amygdala. And all of a sudden, the person all of a sudden switches down and all of a sudden, like, I, don't, I just don't have anxiety. We have mm. thousands of brain scans with anxiety and depression from people from all walks of life. They've reset. And all of a sudden, they don't have that anxiety. They don't have to take medications or do anything else. They know how to self-regulate. Where does all anxiety stem from? Hmm. Anxiety is doing this, living in the survival, when you're living in survival, I'll tell you this, when the survival gene is activated, out of the infinite potentials in the quantum field, you'll always choose the worst case scenario. Why? Because if you're in survival and you're preparing for the worst, there's always better chances of surviving if anything less happens. So people are always selecting the worst thing in their mind and they begin to emotionally embrace that future before it happens. Thought and emotion, you start conditioning. So you're conditioning the body to become the mind of fear. You keep doing that enough times, once the body becomes the mind, it's a subconscious program. The person has a panic attack. Try as you may to control it with your conscious mind. You can't, you programmed it subconsciously. Now you worry about the next panic attack, and now as you start worrying about the next panic attack, it's the vigilance that creates the next one. Wow. Now here's what's happening in our work. People who are self-regulating and creating these elevated states, we have, we have heart scans of them sustaining heart coherence for a whole hour during a meditation. Then, at the end of the day, they're still wearing the, the monitor. It's eight o'clock at night, they're not even in a meditation, and for a whole entire hour, they're in heart coherence. We say to the woman, what's going on here? She said, I, I have no idea. I was just getting ready for bed, and all of a sudden, my heart just swelled up. It was so intense, I had to lay on my back and surrender to love wow. instead of surrendering to fear. She had a spontaneous love attack instead of a spontaneous panic attack. Now, I would call that the natural state of being. So then, if you're living by those elevated states and you know how to feel that emotion of your future before it happens, you're less likely to wait for it to happen because you'll feel like it already happened. You're less likely to try to control it. You'll know that the moment you lose the feeling, you just disconnect it and you're gonna make your way back. And when you get good at it, no person, no thing, no experience can take it away from you. And now you're empowered. And if you understand the laws of how creation happens, then you're less likely to compete and rush to get what you want. You're gonna know that it's gonna to come to you. And now that's the new model of how we create. Knowing it's gonna to come to us at the right time, what if we want it faster? Well, you just do it again. Hmm. But remember, if you're trying to make it happen faster, you're back to the old self. Right. The new self would never do that. The new self would constantly stay there. And so then how does it appear? It appears in a way that you can't expect. Because if you can predict it, it's the known. It's gonna come in a way that you haven't thought of, an unknown. It's gotta rock your world. It's gotta catch you off guard. It's gotta leave you no doubt that what you've been doing inside of you that produces some effect outside of you. And when you correlate what you've been doing inside of you with the effect that you produced outside of you, you're gonna pay attention to what you did and do it again. And the energy, the joy that you feel when it happens, mm. you're gonna use that energy to create again. Now, people say to me, well, 
I'm this way because of that person and that thing, I would say to them, so you mean then that person or that experience out there is controlling your thoughts and feelings? Right. <gasps> that means you're a victim to your environment. But when you start changing your thoughts and feelings and it starts to produce an effect in your environment, you're gonna change the belief that you're a victim consciously or subconsciously of your life to becoming more of a creator of your life. Mm. And now all of a sudden when you become more a creator of your life, you can't blame anybody. You can't say, well that person or that thing, you'd have to say, I gotta be greater than that environmental condition. Who in history can I study that had the same challenges? Let me just work that into my rehearsal so that I can improve, right? Just like you've done with sports, it's the same process. Yeah. When do you experience the most love? Ooh. Personally. Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, so it turns out that the signature of the quantum field is greater and greater degrees of oneness and wholeness. So think about it. Um, when we live in stress, we live in separation, right? Because our senses fool us into believing you're there and I'm here and everybody is separate from us and everything is separate from us. That's 3D reality, right? right. But as you start opening this center, all of a sudden, when you become nobody, no one, no thing, nowhere, and no time, right? That's the moment that your consciousness lines up with the consciousness of the field. That's when you are totally present. Now, here's the deal. If I can get people to believe that just because they can't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist, if they can just connect and pay attention to that field and stay present with it and become more aware of it, moment after moment after moment, every interaction with that invisible field Every experience lays down new circuits in their brain for them to perceive more of it, right? right? So then as they keep their attention on it, they start moving closer and closer to it so they experience less separation and more oneness and wholeness. Mm. So then when that happens, there's a cascade of all kinds of physical and chemical and energetic things that begin to happen. So for me, the best way that I can describe that field is it's intelligent love. It's greater levels of order and unity and oneness. And when you strike it and you hit it, it is the most incredibly electric feeling you will ever have. It is the most familiar, unfamiliar feeling huh. you will ever have. You will swear that you are ancient in that moment and you will connect. And it won't be just like love for your puppy. You will feel it in every single cell of your body. And I mean like a, a vibration, a coherence, where your body becomes electric. And the only way we can describe that is love. You yeah. taste that one time. You want it all the time. Okay, here's what I say. I always say, the first time it happens, the, the first time it happened to me, and every time since, when I come back to my senses, I always say the same thing. Joe Dispenza, you got this all wrong. Because some veneer, some conditioning is lifted. You start realizing that the way you think life is, isn't that way. So now, when I've had those moments, Lewis, I have said, there cannot be any more love than this until the next experience. Until next time. I mean, how much is there, right? I mean, you, wow. how, you get super humbled. You when get, was the last time? Well, about uh, five days ago, yeah. What yeah, was I, the moment? Oh, I just had a very profound mystical experience. <laughs> I was, uh, I'll, t I'll tell you the short story. And how often does it happen also? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I live for them. Yeah, uh, so uh, you try to do it every month if you I, can? Or no, I, 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 weekly, I just do the meditations and then when they happen, I'm, if I'm just in the right place and I don't have a plane to catch or an email to answer and I have a little laxity and 
I can kind of surrender into the moment. I just, I had this incredible, uh, I don't know how to describe this, but there is a geometric pattern like mandala. I don't know what it was. And it moved right through my entire body. And it was like working with me, with my physical body. And if I could surrender to it, it was just incredible bliss. I mean, incredible, incredible bliss. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. And when that occurs, uh, when it happened to me, I had this, my heart was just lit up like, it wasn't a physical experience, you know, it was, it was from within. And here's the weird thing. Every time it happens, my heart feels alive. Like it lasts for days. Like the emotion wow. from the experience Continues lasts for days. And people are like, uh, what's up with you? Like, what, what? and you're just kind of so this, joyful. Constantly. You got this big smile on your face. I just am so happy to be alive, wow. right? And so I think that <laughs> independent of, listen, I now know, I mean, we've measured genetic changes, hormonal changes, neurotransmitter changes. We've measured immune system responses by trading fear for gratitude. We've measured gene expressions. We now know that people can uh, signal the gene to, to, for, to reduce cancer and tumors, signal the gene to grow new neurons. We've measured this. Signal the gene for stem cells to go to damaged tissues and repair them oxidative stress gene signal. We've, we've seen that in our, in our students. Now here's the deal. After all of those studies in the last six years, you can't tell me you're too old to do this work. Can't tell me that. We've got people in their 80s doing miraculous things. Can't tell me you're too sick to do this work. We've got people that were at the end of their life, stage four, and we turn that battleship around. Wow. You can't tell me that you had too turbulent of a past to do this work. People that were really rough paths that are now free. You can't tell me uh, you're not, you've never meditated before. We have people that have never meditated before the most profound mystical experience. Yeah. You, you can't tell me you're too overweight, too underweight, too out of shape, too in shape. You can't tell me that anymore because all colors, all races, everybody can do it. That's the cool part about it. And when you get a community of people together and you move them from one state of mind to another, there's this moment. Mm. And I can almost predict when it happens, the second or third day, where people just start hooking up. And then when they start hooking up, you know, we start, we're seeing now in our events. I mean, a lady that was blind from birth, 5% vision, by the end of the event was seeing. I mean, wow. how do you explain that? We had three people in the last two uh, events that were deaf that are hearing now. Wow. People with crutches that were limited or walking without crutches and canes, spinal cord injuries, I mean, Parkinson's disease. In a week, that's gotta be, it doesn't wake you up to what's possible. And you're witnessing a tumor on a woman's thyroid that was there at the beginning of the event, it's gone at the end of the event. I mean, wow. like, you gotta scratch your head and just go, wow, the reality isn't at all the way I think it is, right? And so there's this humility that comes, like, well, I don't know anything, but I'm willing to go down, push the envelope a little bit more. So we're only as good as our ability to execute this, right? But as we get better consistency at it. Consistency of it too, yeah. Consist I'm all about consistency, and I'm, I'm be the first guy to say, do the blood test, do the scan, Let's do the test to make sure that it's just not in your mind, it's in your brain. Yeah. Let's know. So now the evidence then supports it, that the testimonials support it, and all of a sudden people now are beginning to wake up to what's possible. And just like the four minute mile, 
the formula mile was broken. Once right. it was broken, we pierced the valve. Everyone did. So we're just seeing now the same thing. We've pierced the valve, and people are just, just all in. It's, they're not 50% in, they're all in. And my goodness, we're creating this kind of wake and momentum, but not just for healing, but for creating new jobs and new relationships, new opportunities. Abundance, everything, yeah. Whatever it is that they want. For, people, come, people come to the work for all kinds of reasons, sure. and I don't really care. But by the time they start doing the work, all they really want to do is give. Because when you feel so amazing and feel so great about yourself that you no longer want anything, the first thing you want to do is give. I mean, when we see that brain scan moving into coherence and those two hemispheres come together and all of a sudden we see that heart just start going boom, boom, very orderly. And see the more energy going in the brain, the brain goes into super coherence. You can walk around and look at that person who's getting the brain scan and there are tears of joy rolling down her face. She's feeling so whole that it's impossible to want. How can you want when you're whole? Mm. Now you feel like you already you don't need have, anything. You, you feel like you have it already. That's the moment the magic happens. So she's no longer creating from lack and duality and separation. Scarcity. Yeah. No, scarcity. She's feeling like it already happened. And that's, that's a very profound signal in the field. That's dropping a big stone in the water and it's producing some big waves. And things are starting to manifest. She's, you're attracting she's synchronicity. Right. Everything yeah, that. now she's drawing it to her. So then, so then, if you're doing that, to answer the original question, is that then if you keep practicing that, then you got to get up and maintain that modified state of mind and body your entire day. And it's just a practice. And as you do that and you start seeing all the fun things happening, it's not like, oh, I got to go create my life today. You're like, you're like I got to go because I don't want the magic to stop. So I just do it because I love the crazy, magical, wonderful things that happen that, that I would just, just never anticipate in my life. And so people are catching on to it. And they start coming for one reason, you know, they want money or they want health. Or, but it's not about your money. It's not about your health. It's not about your new relationship. It's not even about the mystical moment. It's about who you become in the process. Because overcoming all those limitations mm-hmm. to become somebody else, nobody can take that away from you. Wow. And do you feel like you've answered those questions to, for yourself? Who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, though, that— Or is there questions you still haven't answered? No, I mean, it's not that there's questions that I still haven't answered. It's just that I'm, I'm always changing my answers because I'm not—I mean, even my definition of surrender just from six months ago is not even close to the same definition that mm. I have today. What's the definition now? Well, surrender, man, is just greater degrees of letting go and trusting. Everything. I just like, like, if, like when my world is going sideways and my staff is just freaking out, I'm always like, oh, I'm just going to let go. I'm just, <laughs> I'm not going to control anything. They're like, what? The ship is sinking. I'm like, yeah, but I got to go surrender. against the chemicals wow. and I got to trust. Because if you're going to stress in that moment and have anxiety, you're going to create more of that. Oh, you're, you're going to make things worse. So I just let go all the way, all the way. And you got to lay down the very thing you used your whole life to get what you want for something greater to occur. And that's not... That's not one bite. That's not one leap. Mm-hmm. It's a practice. And so letting go a little bit more and trusting. If you over-surrender, that's, that's lazy and lethargic. <laughs> right. If you over-intend, that's trying and forcing. Mm-hmm. So there's this razor's edge between intention and surrender, right? Wow. You gotta be able to be able to you gotta take action. Right, yeah, right. And but, surrender. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But you don't want to get in the way, right? So and that's just <laughs> that's a lot of trial and error, you know, but sure. you figure it out, right? Wow. Yeah. 
What do you feel like your mission is right now then? Wow, so um, for me right now, I mean, my passion is these week-long events. Uh, How many do you do a year? We do about uh, 10, oh, just a little less than once a month, you know, uh, around the world, and it's usually about 1,000 people. And now what we're doing is we're doing this whole nother level. Uh, we're doing two uh, really cool things. One is a challenge activity. And what I want to do is uh, we now know that our students can create a lot of brain and heart coherence, but they can do it with their eyes closed in a room with a thousand people and soft music playing and uh -huh. they feel safe. But now let's get them in a situation where that would normally elicit fear or some Anxiety. emotion. Get them in the real world. Get them in the real world and get them up somewhere where they're feeling a little uncomfortable wow. or they're being challenged through endurance and let's see him create brain and heart coherence right on that spot. Like this is, this is the moment, this is, this is your life. You gotta be able to do this right now. You can't say, I can't, it's too hard, I can't do this, I'll start tomorrow, I don't want to. That's not the moment, that's what you do in your life. Let's put you there, and instead of just white knuckling and pushing through, let's get really conscious. Surrender. Let's get really yeah. present, yeah. let's create that heart and brain coherence and let's work it and then make the move when you're in that state. Rhythm through that resistance, create that kind of coherence. And I was just at the HeartMath Institute, who we partner with, and we were, the Doc Childry, the guy that created HeartMath, he said, it's all about rhythm through resistance. It's about that ability to create that kind of internal order when there's chaos going on around you. So what's the relevance of that? A person who's going through a challenge activity that's a huge obstacle course and they have the belief that they have a spinal cord injury or they have MS or Parkinson's disease and they never try anything in their life and we got them up there. And there's people rooting for them and they're in that state and they're in that heart coherence and they go through that whole course and they've overcome it. They're gonna walk back in their life and whatever challenges that they have, they're gonna be like, this is nothing. This is yeah. nothing. Yeah. I've just reset the scale. So, and the other thing is that people move past where they normally can go. There's a liberation of energy. And that's available energy that just needs to be organized. So then they start organizing that energy, then they're doing magic. The other yeah. thing we're working on is, um, is uh, non-local healing, we, we call the cage. We get a person to lay down with a health condition, we get eight people around them, we teach them about energetic coherence, we talk to them about the science that it's not matter that emits a field, it's the field that creates matter. Change the field, you change matter. We give them the science and the understanding and then we let them go. And we have seen people, all kinds of healings take wow. place in 10 minutes. Like, how do you explain that? How do you explain a person laying there who isn't even being touched and their entire body is moving in all these different directions by, with energy? It's, it's incredible. So wow. I want to develop that. Why? I want to get so good at that, Lewis, that 50% of those people that are laying down get up healed. We're gonna walk into a city when we do a week-long event. We're gonna call the children's hospital. We're gonna say, send those kids with cancer down. Wow. We're, gonna, we're gonna change futures, right? And man, you know, you talk about opening your heart, but if you think you open your heart, but when you get an opportunity to give, and these people have been working all week long, when it comes time to heal, they're not saying, oh, my back hurts. They're not saying, how long is this gonna go? Right. Am I doing it we right? Transform they, someone's life, yeah. They left those attitudes on Monday. Yeah. Yeah, this is Friday, this is Saturday. Sure. They're not, they're hooked. They've been connecting to the field all week long. They're not in their analytical mind. They're beyond their body. They know how to get beyond their environment. They're, they're, they know how to get beyond time. So mm. when it comes time to execute, 
they've been practicing all week. They've been, they've been in a camp. They've been practicing. So, wow. so you get a group of people doing that together, and all of a sudden, the energy. We've measured the energy of the room, and the energy of the room always goes up. Wow. It just goes up, and that's available energy to heal. That's available energy to do the mystical. So, I just want to get consistent. I want to get really good at it. Mm. And it's not about me. You're not good at it yet? We're, well, we, we were making great changes in like unbelievable changes in people's health. But before I step out into the world and say, let's go to the children's hospital in Toronto mm-hmm. and let's call up the oncologist there and say, hey, we'll never touch the kids. Right. We'll just lay them down. Just want to hang out. It, yeah. It'll just be a half an hour. They'll just be laying on the ground and then we'll be done and develop a relationship. I want to be good enough that when we do do it, that we're gonna execute an outcome. Yeah. And that way we're beyond reproach. It's no longer a bunch of spiritualists doing this. There's a science behind it right. and we now know it. Right? Thousands of cases are set yeah, up. We've yeah, got, we've got tons of cases now, yeah, exactly. but I don't know the statistics. We're gonna start right. doing the statistics now and we're gonna start tracking those That's changes. Cool. So then I can say without a shadow of a doubt, yeah, we're at 30%, on the last three events we had 30% remission. Not, not just like it goes away for a little bit, but it goes away and stays wow. away. That's cool. And some people go into the healing, they get in the cage for their knee problems and they come out hearing better. That just happened to a guy oh. the other day. He had a bad knees and he, was, he went in to get his knees healed, but he forgot that he's, you know, he didn't think about his hearing problem. He got bit by a poisonous snake when he was like a three-year-old kid and always had hearing problems, whereas hearing aids the whole bit. He comes out of the, the he said he'd never felt in that amount of love in his entire life. Wow. And that's the common thing that people say. The woman that got her vision back, that's not what she talked about. She didn't talk about the fact that she could see. All she kept saying was, I feel like a child again. I feel mm. like a baby again. I feel fresh. I feel like I'm newborn. I feel clean. Mm. She kept talking about how she felt. Then she said, oh yeah, and I can see faces now. Right, right. And there were these two big uh, flower arrangements on the stage. And she said, I thought those were guards guarding Dr. Joe the whole week. She couldn't even see the flowers. She just saw the, you know, the form. And she goes, I can see the flowers now. But the first thing was how they felt. And he, the same way, he said, I had never, I was sobbing. I never felt so much love in my life. It wasn't like I was trying to feel it. It just happened. And he said, and I got up and all of a sudden I could hear Dr. Joe talking without my hearing aids. And I was just kind of like, I think my knees were a little better, but my hearing's a lot better, you know? So you never know, right? You never know. Shoot, everyone's gotta get in the cage. (laughs) In the cage, yeah. I like to give people a challenge. I'm curious, I want everyone listening for the next seven days to try something. Mm -hmm. And if you could give one to three different things that we could think differently or eliminate Mm -hmm. when a thought comes to us or we react in a certain way. If there's something you think that we eliminated one, two, or three things, and we did this every day for seven days, we would start to see incredible Mm -hmm. feelings of differently, would feel healthier, more lively, more loved. What would be those few things? Okay, well, most people, number one, they get up in the morning, and the first thing they do is they think about the problems in their life. And those problems are memories from the past. Mm -hmm. So the moment they think about their problems, they're thinking in the past, right? Every one of those problems has an emotion attached to them. So they start feeling unhappy or unworthy or whatever. And how you think and how you feel is your state of being. So most people's entire state of being is in the past when they start the day. So if they're in the familiar past, they're gonna live in a predictable future, right? Mm -hmm. So they get up and they check their cell phone, they check their text, their WhatsApp, their Facebook, they post something on Facebook, they tweet, they Twitter, they check the news, then they go to the bathroom, get a cup of coffee, take a shower, get dressed, check more emails, drive to work the same way, do the same thing. So they're in a program. They've actually lost their free will to the program. 
So if you start your day and you start your day with this simple question, what is the greatest ideal of myself that I can be today? Mm. You ask yourself that question. Now listen, your body's gonna go like, well, we gotta get a cup of coffee and you gotta go, I'm tired, and you gotta go, ah, 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 body, uh, you're not the mind, I'm the mind right now. You're gonna sit here, I'm gonna feed you. (laughs) You're gonna get your coffee, you're gonna do all those things, but right now, this is my time. You're gonna obey me, right? So now, the body's no longer the mind, you're the mind. And so when it wants to get up and you become aware of it, and we turn back to the present moment, every time you do, that's a victory. And you're changing some aspect of yourself. So then, ask yourself, I do this all the time, write down four thoughts that you're gonna stay conscious of the whole day. I can't, it's too hard, you'd be surprised. The moment you become conscious of what those thoughts are, how unconscious you've been to them all day, for weeks on end, write down, what you speak, how you speak, four things you want to change, how you act. How do you act? Do you complain? Do you blame? Do you make excuses? Do you feel sorry for yourself? That's a victim consciousness. What emotions do you live by? Is it possible that you're so used to living by guilt you don't even know it's guilt, it just feels like you? Do you, do you allow your energy to drop? Become conscious of those states of mind and body and review them and say, this is the old self. Then say, what thoughts do I want to fire and wire in my brain? and start firing and wiring and start feeling it. What behaviors will I demonstrate today? What choices will I make? One day, one lifetime. Mm. And just like you did, rehearse them. Rehearse the whole entire thing. Begin to install the neurological hardware in your brain. And if you keep installing it, the hardware is gonna become a software program and you're gonna start thinking and acting that way. And then here's the tough part. Can you teach your body emotionally what your future is gonna feel like before it's made manifest? Mm. And don't get up until you feel that way. Now, practice that for a few days and then see if you can stay in that state and watch all of a sudden all those weird doors start opening for you. Synchronicities. Synchronicities, whatever they are. Number two, take a time at the end of your day, the end of your day before you lay down and give thanks for your life and feel gratitude and really teach your body what it feels like. The emotional signature of gratitude, when gratitude means Mm. you're getting something. If I give you something that's of value, you would say thank you because you would feel it, right? So when you're receiving, you're giving thanks. So gratitude is the ultimate state of receiving. Mm. So then people only accept, believe, and surrender to the thoughts equal to their emotional state. So if you're in a state of gratitude, Every thought's gonna make it right down into your body. If you're saying, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy, and your body's programmed in negativity, it's saying, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. That thought's gonna stop right here. So as you elevate your state, there are about 1,200 different chemical reactions that go on in the body that begin to restore and repair the body in a state of gratitude. And so we've done the research to mm. prove that. 10 minutes and just feel it with all of your heart. That's it. Wow. Third thing, and, and very important, take time, whenever it is, sit down, close your eyes, and begin to just open your awareness to the space around you and just sense it and pay attention to it and become more aware of it. The act of opening your awareness begins to reduce the stress hormones and creates more coherent wow. brainwave states. And I'm doing it right now. And it's just a practice. Yeah. And it's just a practice. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. Wow. Who's been your greatest teacher? Ooh, life, no doubt about it. I believe that life is our initiation 
I do my best to see my life as a reflection of my mind. And I think that, mm. uh, and I think that life is our greatest teacher. A reflection of your mind is essentially like what you've created is a reflection of how you've been thinking. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're showing up sick physically, then that's what you've created in your Look, mind. Look, I don't believe that germs make me sick. I believe I make me sick. Mm -hmm. I do. I mean, there's no germs with my name on it out there. I mean, they're called opportunistic bacteria because they're waiting for an opportunity for your immune system mm. to be compromised. And so for me personally, I, you have to a I ask myself this question every day. At what point do I stop believing that I create my life? Well, what, what is that point? So I'm always pushing that envelope a little bit more. So for me, I think life is our initiation. We don't need to go to any ancient school of wisdom mm -hmm. in the Himalayas. We, we, our life is our initiation, and when you meet the challenges in your life from a greater level of mind, you're going to begin to move through those initiations. And what is the side effect of that? Wisdom. Mm -hmm. And that's what we take with us, yeah. being wise. Powerful, wow. How can we connect with you online and Go to your events. What's the best place to go to? to so see everything that yeah, you so my to. website is just drjoedispenza.com, drjoedispenza.com, and there's just a ton of resources there. We have an online progressive course now. I don't teach those courses anymore because my interest is in the week longs. So for people who come to a week long, they do a, a, a home study course where they get the basics. They understand what we're doing. Uh, it's about 23 hours. They can do it in however long they want. And then, then with that comes another study course, and then they can come to a week long and join a community of people that are all about passion and the unknown. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. When's the next event? Well, the next event, gosh, the next week long is in Toronto, uh, September 1st through 7th, and uh, it's uh, pretty close to sold out. Yeah. Then we'll be in, the, uh, in Australia in October and then uh, the UK in November, and then Cancun, Mexico in December. And then I got, you know, I got a couple events that I'm doing here and there, wow. uh, other things, yeah. Amazing. A couple final questions for you. This one's called the three truths that mm -hmm. I ask everyone at the end. Mm -hmm. If you imagine it's your last day many years from now, mm -hmm. and you've achieved or created or been anything you've wanted to do, you've done it all, right? Mm -hmm. Everything you can think of has happened, created it, books, events, whatever you want to do, heal the world, you've done it all. Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, you've got to take everything with you. All your writings, your research, your material, mm -hmm. videos, events. <laughs> it's not available for anyone to have anymore. Mm -hmm. But you have a piece of paper and you get to write down three things you know to be true about your life or the lessons that you would leave behind. And this is the only lessons that they would have access to. Mm -hmm. What would you say are your three truths? Ooh. Oh, wow. Number one is that the divine lives in every human being and that we have to make an effort to connect with it every day. Mm. And when we do, it answers the call in ways that we would just never anticipate. I know that to be the truth and that uh, nobody is so special to be excluded from that mm. phenomenon. Uh, number two is that uh, we are the creators of our lives and not the victims of our lives. And that taking time in your life to invest in yourself is uh, to invest in a future. And when you invest in yourself, you invest in your future. And when you believe in yourself, you believe in possibility. And I think that everybody secretly believes in themselves. And so taking time to understand that we are just works in progress and, and to find time to forgive ourselves and to forgive others and start fresh this, the next day is a blessing, is a blessing. And, and finally, uh, 
I think that it's not our purpose in life to be a popular or successful or beautiful or or uh, intelligent. Our, our purpose in life is to remove those blocks, those veils, those limitations that stand in the way between us and that divine intelligence. And, and when we do, uh, it begins to make its way through us and we become more like it. We become more loving. It is a loving intelligence. We become more giving. It's a giver of life. We become more conscious. It's a consciousness. We become more mindful. It has an infinite mind. We become more willful. It has an amazing will. Its nature uh, becomes our nature. Its mind becomes our mind. And, and then we don't have to try to be liked or try to be important mm -hmm. or try to be recognized. We're just happy for no reason at all. And I, and I think that is the natural state of being. And I think that we innately know that on some level. Mm. Great truths. Thank you. Thank you. Before I ask the final question, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, Joe, for constantly pushing the envelopes on what's possible and constantly learning and growing and researching so that you can continue to help so many people in the world overcome pain, overcome stress, overcome disease, anything that's holding us back. And I really acknowledge the work that you're doing because I think it's awakening so many people up to what they thought was possible and we're limited to, to now what is actually possible for them. So I acknowledge you for all that. Thank you. I'll let yeah. that in all the way. Let, Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'd uh, love to have you come back on sometime in the future. But for now, I think that's going to blow people's minds. I was <laughs> extremely inspired by everything you said. So the final question is, what's your definition of greatness? Mm, to greatness, my definition of greatness is to be greater than your environment, to be greater than your body, and to be greater than time. And if you do, you will be great. I mean, that is it. Mm. Joe, thank you, man. Appreciate You're it. You're welcome. That was great. Thank you. There you have it, my friends. Heal your body with your mind with Dr. Joe Dispenza. Make sure to share this with your friends. LewisHouse.com slash 679. Take a screenshot. Tag me on Instagram. Tag Dr. Joe Dispenza. Put it on Twitter and Facebook and all those places online. We want to get this out far and wide to help anyone you might know who has got something stuck in their life, emotionally, physically. Send this to them. Send them an email. Send them a text. Let them know about this episode because I believe this will help heal and inspire so many people. If you enjoyed it, then share it with a friend and continue to spread the message of greatness. Again, Jack Cornfield said, wisdom says we are nothing. Love says we are everything. Between these two, our life flows. I hope you enjoyed this one. Just know that you have the power to change your life at any moment when you continue to think differently, feel differently, and act differently in your life. I love you. You know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. <laughs>